listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. excited about our guest today as you as we all know warrior wrestling friday night lights is this week three days away uh if you're listening live on tuesday it's this friday night august the 7th at marion catholic high school at the football stadium gave the field field and this man our guest today will be one of the biggest performers on the show his name is sam adonis he's been every warrior show so far he's he'll be the only guy in fact to wrestle on all nine Warrior Wrestling cards. That's exciting. So this is a big deal for him. Yeah, because Brian Cage uh, did not wrestle at the last show because he was injured. He appeared, he was part of the Fan Fest. He actually picked Brian Pillman to take his place in the War of Attrition match. And that's when Brian Pillman ended up winning the title. Obviously, we'll talk to Sam a little bit about that War of Attrition match because he was a huge, huge part of that at Warrior Wrestling 8 this past February. All right, so Sam's going to be joining us in just moments here. Before we get to that, let's talk what's going on in the world of wrestling. What do you want to cover before we get our big guest on today? Yeah, let's hit the WWE stuff real quick, and then we'll hit some local items, and hopefully that will lead right into Sam coming on. First of all, the national stuff, it was a wacky, wacky Monday for WWE Raw. (laughs) Yeah, cue the laugh track for sure. First year... First, there were reports out there that Vince McMahon was going crazy. There were several rewrites to his show before it hit the air. And it was a very the idea, chaotic scene. So the idea was that he had lost his mind backstage? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, pretty much. That, that is the report. Yeah. It was a very chaotic scene. And one of the biggest storylines of the night once they finally did come up with the show was this thing called Raw Underground. And it was brought to you by a returning Shane McMahon, who had been fired on air back in October after he lost to Kevin Owens on the first SmackDown on Fox. But yeah, now Shane McMahon's back. Don't know how he's back. He got rehired, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He's always been with the company. So he's a McMahon, for God's sake. Right. But it basically the premise was there were fights in this kind of like dark backstage set in a ring with no ropes, no posts, anything like that. Just a bunch of guys grappling around with a referee uh, dressed in all black. And first guy Shane brings out is this big dude uh, who we knew in NXT or the PC world as Baba Tunde, and he's calling him Dabacado. So he, he finally made his debut on the main roster doing this, which is kind of an interesting little thing. So basically, it was it's kind of like a brawl for all, if you remember that, probably from like 20 or so years ago. And it's like a brawl for all meets UFC meets fight club meets blood sport, which was another concept from, I believe, Josh Barnett, who was the former UFC fighter who has also dabbled in professional wrestling. It was kind of this surreal kind of weird scene. And even current WWE wrestlers like uh, one of the Viking Raiders, uh, Eric and Dolph Ziggler also did a little bit of something with this whole thing. It's like beating up guys, ground and pound submissions, all that type of stuff. It's kind of an MMA feel, and 
a little more to the, to the edgy nature that we were talking, perhaps maybe Vince McMahon's heading back to. There was a little stage off to the side with three dancing girls dancing somewhat seductively in PG attire. What WWE is doing, or at least experimenting with, is another way to bring you entertainment during a three-hour show that was always too long to begin with and probably yeah. should have just been two. And now they're trying to figure out how do we fill this because we've run out of uh, classic performances to show you with fans in the background and we don't know how long this is going to last during the COVID era. So we have to find things that aren't just a bunch of performers coming out and doing promos with nobody really in the stands or a couple of people standing there behind the plexiglass or whatever. They're trying to find another look they can present you during a three-hour show. It makes sense. I'm sure this was something they sat around and they, they, they spitballed like 15, 20 different things they could try to add to the show because you couldn't pump fans in there. It'll be interesting to see if it gets legs and if it takes off, but that's what this is. This is clearly some way of bringing in something else, something new, something fresh, because you can't involve a crowd right now. And and it was always Shane McMahon's wish, I think, to have a hand in the MMA business. There there was talk years ago that he was actually going to buy UFC at one point, and he run UFC. So he's kind of wanted to kind of dabble in the business end of an MMA thing. So maybe this is kind of what, you know, Vince wanted to do for him, and maybe it's a new approach, like you were saying, to try something different on Monday Night Raw. Speaking of buying things, before we go any further, did you see how Vince McMahon ripped off his friend The Rock and got him to give him $15 million for a majority uh, shareholder in (laughs) in the XFL? Like, I mean, it's like The Rock was playing a guy who became an NFL owner on on that show Ballers on HBO for years, and now Mm -hmm. he's actually going to be a baller. What he doesn't understand is the XFL is not going to survive. I mean, like, look, the XFL was going to go under anyway. COVID sped yeah. it up, and Vince probably sat him down. He's like, oh, Rock, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. How are you, Rocky? I can give you a great deal on the XFL. Come here, buddy. This is good shit. Like, he gets him, he gets him all licked with this. He ripped him off for $15 million on the way out the door. Like, that's what he did. Rock. Rock, can't afford it. Run, what are you doing, Rock? <laughs> Somebody needs to have a conversation with you about finances. This is the way to take fifteen million and throw it away, Rock. Unless the idea was I'm investing fifteen million now so I can uh, get in with the NFL people and eventually be an NFL owner. Like maybe that's yeah. what the whole idea is. Maybe hey. maybe he's going to link himself up with the NFL somehow and get himself into that because if his intention is to go up head to head with the NFL with the XFL, the Rock could have given me fifteen million dollars and I could have done better with it. Even if I decided to try to make it into a raft and sail to Cuba, I would have had better results with my fifteen uh, $15 million dollars. Anyway, uh, back to Raw real quick. Uh, there was also a story on the show, kind of building up. Uh, there were all these power glitches and lights flickering early on. Mics were cut in and out. Like this was mostly during the first hour, and then um, they come out with a report and they're showing security footage from outside the performance center with five masked guys throwing Molotov cocktails at a power generator. So this was supposedly the cause of these glitches, and I don't know where they're going with the story. I don't know if it's linked to Raw Underground or not, but it's kind of an interesting little story. Only Vince would only Vince McMahon would look at civil unrest in the United States of America and riots with buildings being burned to the ground and say, you know what we need to yeah. do? We need to throw Molotov cocktails at Raw! Like, what are you? Stop it, Vince. Knock it off. First of all, there's a double taping for Premier Pro Wrestling in Woodstock this weekend. 
uh, Friday night the 7th and Saturday night the 8th. So they're doing two tapings this weekend for Premier Pro Wrestling in Woodstock. Then on Saturday afternoon, there's C3 Wrestling, The Ranger Zone, the show is called. It's going to be a Saturday afternoon show in Hammond, Indiana at 1 p.m. Also, Saturday evening, like 5 p.m., Zawa Live returns. They have River City Ransom live from Northside Barbecue in Oregon at 5 p.m. And then Sunday, Pow Entertainment is back in action. Summer Explosion at Rumpholes, and this is in Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, which I believe is just across the border. If you live in Chicago, don't tell Lori Lightfoot that you went there. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I like I live in Evergreen Park, right, Mike? You know what's funny about mm-hmm. it? It's surrounded on three sides by Chicago. And yes. I was joking around with a friend of mine the other day. I'm like, are you allowed to come over here and then come back, go back to your house? Or are you going to be in trouble? Like, <laughs> that's going to be the problem <laughs> with some of these promotions. Mike, your guest yes. has arrived. He is he has joined us. He's on the line. Why don't you introduce him to the folks? Impeccable timing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome our guest this afternoon, uh, Warrior Wrestling star, international wrestling star, Sam Adonis. Sam, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Uh, I'm an international wrestling star by way of Amazon driver during these hard times. <laughs> so I literally, literally just got off my route to delivering miles daily. And uh, had to fight some traffic, and now I can call into you guys. That's all. Do you have like? Do you have one of the cool trucks that say Amazon on them, or are you just like dealing it with your own car right now? No, no, no. I, I drive an Amazon van, but I don't know if I necessarily use the adjective cool. I don't know, man. I would, you know, in, in the in the winter time, I'd be doing donuts in parking lots with those things. I mean, I mean, I mean at least it's not yours, right? I mean, it's just like I don't know. It came that way. Uh, yeah, I, I picked mean, up I, a truck. The truck truck had those marks on. I don't know what you're talking about. Like you could have some fun in an Amazon van. I guess so. I hope it doesn't get that far. Uh, This is just something I've been doing part time, you know, since I haven't been making a living wrestling. But, you know, I'm an able bodied young man, so I might as well work while I can. Talk about what that's like. I mean, COVID hits. You you guys can't do any kind of promotions. You're 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 stuck. You hear this whole plethora of opinions across the, the wrestling Twitterverse where you have people sitting there saying, this is let's, let's go wrestle. And you got people sitting there saying, go do your shoot job and don't worry about it. And you can wrestle in a year. And then there's all these little people that are in between on it. What's it been like for you? And, and, and how, how excited are you that you even get to go to do the thing with warrior wrestling coming up this weekend? And, and, and how excited would you be if you could start getting back to work more and more in front of audiences? Uh, well, the whole situation has been very humbling because I've been lucky enough to make a living as a professional wrestler for uh, you know the last eight years. Uh, I haven't really had bosses to answer to, or you know, I've really done a lot in that realm. So it's really kind of humbling to enter back into the professional realm, if you will, to have a manager, have people tell you what to do. You know, I've sold out Arena Mexico. It's hard to have some you know old lady telling me I'm late for work. You know, <laughs> so so uh, <laughs> I mean. It needs to be done, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm just glad I'm able to capitalize on the opportunity while I can. Uh, I, I definitely think, you know, it's good that people are taking their times getting back to it. I think we all have to be careful to make sure, you know, we, we handle this situation the best we can. But uh, it is going to be great coming back this Friday. Uh, I actually had to get a COVID test to perform this Friday night. So uh, those results came back negative today, which was, was nice. 
Congratulations. The test that I want is I want to get one of those antibody tests. And they're like, yeah, you already had it. You didn't even know. And it's like winning the lottery. That's what I want. I was kind of scared just like, cause I haven't had a symptom. I haven't sneezed more than once in the last six months. You know, I knew I didn't have it. But then once they said, uh, you know, you need to get a test. I'm like, well, what the hell? These numbers are pretty high. You know, what, what if I have it and just didn't feel it? You know, that would have crushed my world if I lost out on one of my favorite wrestling promotions because of something that I didn't even notice. Warrior Wrestling, Friday Night Lights, um, Friday night, August the 7th. Uh, show starts at 8 o'clock back at Marian Catholic High School. But it's a little bit different than in the past. It's going to be outdoors at Dave Matteo Field. The football field. So this is going to be a little interesting element to that. And it's also one of the first large-scale outdoor events in the Chicago area since the pandemic began. So uh, you have a match on the show against Lance Archer. Man, he's a big boy, and uh, I'm looking forward to the kind of damage you guys can inflict on each other. Talk a little bit about that match. I'm really excited to work with Lance Archer. Um, I wrestled with him a little bit in the War of Attrition match at the last show, which was pretty cool. Uh, Lance actually was under contract at WWE while I was in FCW. So we kind of knew each other, but we weren't exactly close. But, uh, you know, our reputations have kind of preceded us because he's done a lot of time in Japan. I've done a lot of time in Mexico and Japan. You know, we've kind of stayed in contact, just seeing each other at random events here and there. So we've been able to maintain a mutual respect. And I think we kind of have a similar style, you know. Um, We're both kind of experienced in all styles. And you, you blend that together to, to, you know, make it yours. I think, you know, you're not going to find two guys our size that are capable of doing what we're doing anywhere else in the world right now. So I think it's going to be a, you know, a really interesting match for everyone to check out. Uh, I think it's kind of cool because, you know, uh, one thing that I've always prided, you know, had pride in is that I've really never chased the glory on the Internet. I've never really begged for the attention, if that makes sense. Uh, so many people are just trying to go viral via videos and Twitter and, you know, calling people out. Uh, I've never done that. And Lance hasn't either. We basically just, you know, kind of grind daily and just work and, and get our reputations out there through what we're capable of. And I'd like to think, you know, we're two of the, the most experienced performers on this show. And, you know, we're sort of blow the roof off a stadium that already has no roof. <laughs> yeah, so you had a match with Michael Elgin, a 20-minute time limit draw back at Warrior 7 in December. Now, what, a match like that, since that thing was so incredibly physical and hard-hitting, is that going to prepare you for the kind of punishment that Lance could potentially inflict on you uh, Friday night? Oh, well, I, I've worked for All Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, yeah, I've, I've toured there a bunch of times, so I'm no stranger to getting forearmed in the face by somebody that's really strong and tough. Uh, I think it, it's just some, it's a different avenue of wrestling. Uh, I think a good wrestler is able to get in there and mix it up with anybody of any style. Um, I think Archer has a lot of the same Japanese experience that Elgin did. But uh, I think right now, you know, Archer's hitting a peak. He's one of the guys that people are talking about. They're really liking him right now. He's hitting his stride in AEW. And uh, I just enjoy the fact that the attention is, is on our match this time. You know, these warrior shows are so stacked and, and it just feels good to know that you know, I've basically worked my way up the card to be one of the feature attractions. And, you know, I know it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Now, I mentioned at the top um, with Chris that you're the only wrestler, to, uh, including this show coming up, to have worked all nine warrior shows in the ring. And you've had some great matches from the start 
Nick Aldis, Colt Cabana, L.A. Parker, a.k.a. La Parka, which was an amazing slugfest. Pat Monix, who was a local guy who you guys had a nice a brutal match with. And then obviously Michael Elgin, and then you had some tag matches as well. So um, the variety of matches, the quality of opponents you have had had varied at this show. Talk about, about how Warrior kind of helps your career in that aspect. Well, I, I've done most of my work internationally. And like I said, I haven't really uh, played the, the online game too well for that matter. So uh, it's nice. I always say that Warrior is kind of ahead of the curve. Uh, one thing I love about Steve and Eric is they pay attention, you know, for stuff that's happening in the background. There's guys that they're discovering that these other independents, they don't even have any idea they exist. You know, for, for the size of the, uh, you know, internet reputation that a company like this has, most of those, you know, internet companies wouldn't even know, to, you know, about me because they're, they're too busy paying attention to what's hot right now online. You know, that Warriors has the, the, I guess you would call them like the deep cuts, you know, the guys that you might not know, but they bring them to the forefront. And I've been one of the guys that they've given a lot of opportunity to, but, you know, I love the opportunity to step up and rise to the occasion and show that internet market that I normally don't really go after, you know, that I am, I'm out there. Speaking of rising to the occasion, it was you and it was Brian Pillman Jr. who were the stars of that War of Attrition match back at Warrior 8. And Pillman ended up getting a duke at the end, but there was a feeling throughout that entire match in, in, my, in my mind that I thought, Sam Madonis could actually win this thing. He's been loyal to Warrior. He's had the opportunity. He's built his career up. Did you feel like you thought you'd have a chance to come home with the title that night? That was a, a great night. I was just so happy with it, the way everything went, other than the fact that I wasn't able to win. But, you know, we left it all out there. Uh, I think it was a really cool opportunity because, you know, Warriors is so used to having their, the, the big TV stars and, you know, they're known for bringing in outside talent. It was nice to know two of the homegrown guys were the last two people in the ring on that night. So, you know, I think we both rose to the occasion. Um, I think, you know, I, I think I deserve another opportunity at Pillman. I think, you know, we'll get there eventually. But uh, Chicago is actually becoming a little bit of a home away from home because I've been there so much in the last three years. You're from uh, Pittsburgh, right? Or that area out there? Oh, yes. I'm a Three Rivers child. So uh, I got very lucky because... Uh, Warriors opened when I was living in Mexico City. So uh, I lived, when I signed to WWE, I lived in Florida for a year, and then I moved to England for four years, and then I moved to Mexico City for two years. So I just most recently moved back to Pittsburgh about a year ago. Can I, can I ask you a quick question about, because you brought up the fact that you were down in Mexico, and I know when you were down there, your big thing was... You had the you had the American flag with Donald Trump's face on it. I mean, you're you were you were you were <laughs> Sam Adonis, the Donald Trump supporter. And you know what? Here's the thing. I, I was just curious what your take was on it because the problem is that nobody can keep politics out of it. So whereas you could do anything that you want to, and and you know that this is your character, you you know, and and whether or not you love him or not, I I don't care one way or another. But this is your character. But you must have had some real visceral reactions, not only from people that really don't like the president of the United States because people get so angry about politics these days. I think more than, than anything that they get upset about people really get angry when they, when they talk politics, we saw COVID-19 seems to become very political very quickly. And then you also probably had people who are Trump supporters are like, look at this guy making it look like you're a bad guy. If you like Trump, like tell me a little bit about the reactions that you've gotten from people just from that, that character right there. Well, it's funny because uh, you know, at, 
I never expected it to stick with me as long as I have because I've only ever done that in Mexico. You know, I'm a heel. I just want to get people wound up. And it was just something that kind of occurred. But honestly, uh, the Mexican fan base, they love to hate it. You know, they embrace it so hard and they they want a good villain so they can, you know, cheer their favorite baby face afterwards. The American fans, on the other hand, are looking for a reason to get, you know, ticket refunds or they want something free out of it. So honestly, like, I don't do it in the United States. I don't want people to remember me as the Trump guy. I've done about a million documentaries, whether it's Vice, ABC, CNN, Reuters, GQ. You know, there's plenty of content out there to say, you know, to, to back up my opinion of the fact it's professional wrestling. I want you to lose yourself in my performance you know, get angry for a few minutes, but go home happy when I look like an idiot and get my ass kicked. You know, so I, I think people take it too seriously. Uh, it's definitely a chapter in my life that I'm happy is behind me. But, you know, at the same time, without that little, uh, you know, crutch, if you will, I don't know if I'd be the star that I am today in Mexico. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, Sam, we talked about your time down in FCW uh, before uh, you and I at on a different interview. But uh, what was it like being down there, and what did that do for you in terms of learning the business? Uh, I've always been lucky because I grew up around the wrestling business because my dad was a promoter. I traveled all these shows with my brother. Um, so I've always had a very unique perspective. But down there, I learned so much, more or less, what not to do. <laughs> I was 21 years old and made a lot of mistakes. But, you know, the best situation about being down there was just, it was validation. It was complete credibility. Um, it opened a lot of doors for me outside of WWE, you know, got me my opportunities in Europe. Uh, essentially, you know, at, at the essence of it, I got my position in Mexico because they trusted me because clearly I had to be something if I had a contract with WWE before. So just that value and, and you know, on the resume has been completely worthwhile. And, and I think, you, you know, most people that know anything about me are concerned that was such a minor portion of my career that most people don't even know that it happened. I don't think anybody remembers, remembers me as the FCW guy. You know, most people know me as either Mexico or Japan at this point. When you were down at FCW uh, all those years ago, and you mentioned, obviously, you crossed paths a little bit with Lance. Obviously, your brother Corey was down there. Um, what were some of the other names that people may know that you kind of interspiced with when you were down there training and working in FCW? I was in FCW in 2011, so it was right right before uh, I was there during the second season of NXT when it was like a different show on USA or something. Yeah, the competition show, yes. Before it was a different, yeah, before it was an actual brand is when I was there. But mm -hmm. in FCW, I was with Dean Ambrose and uh, Bray Wyatt, um, with Seth Rollins. Uh, just, I mean, most of the top guys now. And that's one of those things that it kind of motivates me a little bit because uh, you know, they always preach about passion and, and the, you know, willpower and, you know, those who work for it will get it. Had they known, you know, how hard I was willing to work back then, I think maybe the story could be written a little bit differently, but they never gave me the opportunity. I never had the chance to shine. You know, it was a vicious system. I was a kid. I kind of, you know, got my feet wet and got right out. But uh, I think giving a lot of the other guys that were on a level far above me while I was there, how I've all gone by the wayside and I'm still here plugging away, working my ass off. You know, I think it's, it's a testament to, of what I am willing to accomplish and what I could have accomplished had, uh, you know, certain things gone my way while I was there. Yeah, it's been an amazing run for you. Um, 
coming into the light. I think warrior wrestling has really helped kind of um, bring it to light here in the States because obviously you've had the great experience in, in the UK. You've had the great experience out in Mexico. You have the great experience from Japan. But um, do you think, I know it's been about a year since we talked, like in terms of like question and answer other than our conversation we had in the car a few months ago. But we, when I asked you back about a year ago, is there desire for you to get to a place like a WWE or an AEW? Uh, definitely. I, I think it's just those are two of the names right now that are synonymous with being the best. And that's really all I've ever wanted to be is, is just the top dog, you know, no matter where it is or how long it takes. You know, I, I want to be somebody that's essentially I want to be the Hulk Hogan of a new generation where you think pro wrestling, you think Sam Adonis. I mean, clearly that's a pretty bold statement and a bit of a dream, but that's what I want. And that's you know what I aim for every day. Um, it's something that, you know, I think it's inside me. It's something I've always wanted to do. And I don't think there's a limit on when it can be accomplished. You know, I look at a guy like AJ Styles as a, you know, a, a unbelievable example of, you know, just head down, pushing through and working hard. Cause he didn't come to WWE until he was like 38 or 39. And, you know, all that hard work beforehand is, you know, it, it paid off. So there's no time limit. I don't know when it would be or, you know, how to make it happen, but I just go out there and lace up my boots and, you know, give the best performance I can when I can. And I know eventually, you know, the, the hard work will pay off. I think DDP was close to 40 before he got a major push anywhere. So yeah, you still have plenty of time. Yeah. And I, and for, like I said, I mean, 12 years in the business, I've already you know done uh, pretty much everything I've ever wanted to do, uh, which is kind of insane because now I'm at 30 and I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself because I've literally, I mean, there's not too many eight year old kids in the United States that their dream is the headline arena, Mexico, or, you know, wrestle in Japan. And I've, I've done all that, you know, I've worked main events all over the place and, you know, made a name for myself and just, you know, gain the respect of a lot of my peers. Sometimes that's, you know, more valuable than being, uh, you know, one of the, the most well-known independent guys. I mean, I could, w without naming names, you know, I hear stories about some wrestlers that have this great reputation for being one of the best hot young indie talents. And then, you know, some legend says he works with them and, oh, that guy was so unprofessional. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. You know, so it's, it's a double-edged sword. And I, I just really believe that the, the more you put into anything, the more you get out of it. And uh, I'm not going anywhere. You're a very versatile performer. You incorporate that lucha style and heart and, and the hard-hitting style, the, the strong style, all together. And plus, you're one of the best talkers I've seen in, in local promotions in this area because you generate so much heat on the microphone. How important is it nowadays to possess that complete package? I, I don't know because, honestly, uh, and this, you know, from my perspective – it seems like nobody's willing to take the time to get good. Everybody is in such a rush to go viral that I see some people on, you know, Mondays and Wednesday nights that don't have any business having a professional wrestling job. They're in such a, a hurry to speed the process up that they skip learning what's correct, you know? And then there's some, there's guys out there, not only myself, but plenty of other wrestlers that are the full package that are getting looked over because it's, you know, such a high speed market where people are only noticing internet buzz, you know, instead of taking time to dig deep and finding that there's, you know, diamonds in the rough. 
Indeed. Now, Friday night, the show is Friday Night Lights at Warrior Wrestling, and it's going to be a huge card. And other than your match with uh, Lance Archer, we have a huge card. The champion, Brian Pillman Jr., defends the title against Robert Ego Anthony with that dastardly Frank the Clown in the corner. Then we have the former Warrior champ and AEW top contender, Brian Cage, against Jeff Cobb, which should be a ridiculously physical fight. Then we have a six-man tag with the Rascals against Alex Zane, Blake Christian, and Ben Carter. You want high-flying, that match is going to give it to you. Then we have a women's match with Tylee Ray and Ray Lynn, which I'm really, really looking forward to. And one of our local guys, Isaiah Velasquez, who's maybe even in the local area kind of underlooked or, or over, overlooked, underrated, he's facing Trey Lamar, which should be an insane match. And then totally a playoff of uh, AEW Stadium Stampede is the Spartan Stadium Scramble with Warhorse. We just saw an AEW, Dan the Dan, Beast Man, Matt Nix, Nacho Clown, Gabaldi, Cypher, the Corn Belt Cowboy, Davey Bang, and Elena Black. Yes, so it's a, a 10-person intergender match with Elena Black's participation. Then we have Jake Something and Joey Janola, who we both here on Windy City Slam live last week which was very exciting to do. And obviously, there's your match with uh, Lance Archer, Sam. Now, other than your own match, which match on that on that show Friday night are you looking forward to the most? I like the idea of that 10-man uh, scramble thing or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. There's too many words for me to remember. But <laughs> I think that'll be fun. I think there's a lot of guys now you know, that are kind of finding a good niche about creating some off-the-wall characters. Um, I've done a lot of events with Beast Man here in Pittsburgh, and he's one of my favorite performers to watch because he's just so outrageous. Uh, Dan Housen's always fun. Uh, I just think that, you know, that's a real good just mishmash of, of characters. And, you know, uh, it, it, those matches have a lot of creativity, if you will. So you're still thirsting for the championship, and Brian Pillman has that title now, and he's facing Robert Ego Anthony. Are you rooting for somebody in that match in particular so maybe you get the next shot at whoever wins that match? Pillman all the way, baby. I'm all for him. <laughs> you want a rematch with Flying Brian Jr.? I, I think Pillman and myself one-on-one in, in Chicago in front of the Warrior Faithful will probably be you know a spectacle that people will be talking about for a while. So I'm ready for that to happen whenever it happens. And uh, I mean, I respect Pillman a lot. Uh, he works his ass off. I'm all for him, you know, representing the company the way he does. So uh, I'm definitely for him winning that match. I would love to see that match. I mean, we got a taste of it in the War of Attrition at Warrior 8. Brian Pillman and Sam Bananas would definitely sell tickets for me. Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day to join the Windy City Slam podcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you next week on Windy City Slam, found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at WindyCitySlam.com. Bye-bye, everybody.